0: This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by... (laughs) This episode of the Good Ship Brothership is brought to you by Screakiny Bugness, the powerful new deodorizer with fangs. Simply unsheath Screakiny Bugness and let it go to town on those old pit stains, back sweat, and crotch rot that you may have lingering in your trouser or your frock. Now, for a limited time only, Screakiny e. Bugness is offering its new Lemon Wedge Blood Pact scent. Uh, if, if you just head on over to www.screakinybugness.gov and enter the special promo code Brothership Blood Pact for 15% off of their Lemon Wedge Blood Pact scent. Screakiny e. Bugness. And now on with the show. Lots of different things hurt real bad though. Okay. Hello, everybody. We've landed here. um, And here we are. And here we go. Here we are. And yes. There we go. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Um, uh, It was great to be here. Yep. Okay. So. (laughs) That was. Okay. We're off to a bad start. (laughs) Hello. That was that was not our most fluid like intro, was it? Welcome to the Good Ship Brothership. We don't do um, that. We don't do let's that just now. Discuss. Now we talk okay. about Jason. Okay, Okay. what have you been? How long has it been since we've done this? Because that's never been a the show weeks. format. It's been a few weeks. It's never been the show format. Okay. The show format is we do a sponsorship. Yep. Yeah. Then Screakiny we bugness. have. Uh, yep, yeah, Screechy Bugness sponsoring us uh, with their <laughs> their line of deodorizers. <laughs> that took us like ten minutes to record, it which is not bad. It did not. Well, the ad copy is very small. They send it on a uh, on a receipt for uh, the Melba Walmart, Toast. Walmart gas bar. Yeah, it was one purchase of Melba Toast, and uh, and now here we are. So now we do the part where we have a kind of candid, like, "Yo, what's up? Hey. What have you been doing? What do you hey. what's what's okay. like turning your crank? What's flapping your hands?" All right, okay. Thanks. So tell me, Jason, mm-hmm, what have yes. you been listening to, watching, playing, reading? But I can take that one out because you don't read. Hey, I've been reading a lot. <laughs> actually. Hey, so there it is. Screw you, you bearded piece of man. I have a beard now. It's fake. So, I have been doing a lot of new and exciting stuff. Do you ever wish that you could wise. grow a beard? Because I could grow mm, a really good beard when I was younger. Very young. seldom. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, yeah, it'd be cool, but mostly no. Yeah. What's, what does annoy me, though, is I have the amount of facial hair where I still need to shave at least every three days three well three or four or it looks really bad but i can't really grow a beard so it's kind of the worst of both worlds i really wonder if you're ever going to be able to grow a beard Eh, maybe maybe not i don't know it's probably thicker than you would give it credit for if i tried to grow it in but it would look bad because you really just have it along like the edge of your jaw. and It, like, would, be like, it would be like here, like my jaw bones. <laughs> and then it would be like a neck beard and then <laughs> upper lip and a soul patch. So there would be really nothing on my cheeks uh, south of the jawbone. <laughs> However, well, I, I am a freak. Yeah, anyway, okay, you are. Definitely. So I've been enjoying a lot of stuff that I think is really interesting. And it's been a rich time for me. Right now, as we're recording this, it's exam week for me, and that's like a weird mix of every day I go and I do the most important part of each course, write the exam, but I only have like a one or two hour exam each day of the week, so I have a, quite a bit of downtime even with studying, so I've been enjoying a lot of stuff. For books, I've been reading through The Book Thief, which we were going to review like a year ago with a special guest, and then I never read the book, so... <laughs> I'm like 80% through the book now, so it's going to be go time pretty soon if we're actually doing that. Yeah. Um, That's for reading. For watching, I have been tearing through a TV show called Scream Queens that Hannah turned Grant on and then Grant turned me on too. And it's like comedy horror, really campy, really cheesy. It's very hard to explain. Um, It's I mean, it's, it's set on a college campus in the states. A very very ritzy yeah college. And the richest most exclusive sorority is being hunted by a serial killer basically. Yeah. And it's it can be a little spooky if you're watching it alone at night, but it's 95% camp and self-awareness. And not the kind of thing I ever thought I would enjoy, but no, here I, mean, I am just yeah. like absolutely tearing through it. We will definitely be doing an episode about this, even though it's a TV show, because we can talk about whatever we want. So I've been doing that. Been watching lots of Bob's Burgers because I got Grant the Bob's Burgers uh, DVD set and Hannah for their wedding gift. So then I've been, so I basically got that for them, so I could just borrow it off of them for the rest of history. I've been enjoying that. For games, I've been playing a game that I really want Grant to play, and I think we should review, called Dead Space. The game was released. A little over 10 years ago, and it features an engineer aboard a giant spaceship set far in the future, of course, trying to find out what happened to the crew who have seemingly mutated into these really horrific looking creatures kind of thing. And it's really heavily influenced by Alien, I would argue by David Lynch and like the Eraserhead body horror stuff. Um, See, I know that watching Eraserhead is not per se an enjoyable experience, but it really does leave you pretty, it really does open your eyes a little bit to, uh, to a lot of the influence that David Lynch has had on the greater artistic community. Yeah, and certainly there are other people doing body horror too. It's not like David Lynch cornered the market on that, but that was probably a breakout movie for the, the idea. So I would say that that's, I've been doing that for games and I've also been playing a really fun game on a, the Nintendo DS, which I have actually had a renaissance with called uh advanced wars which is just this fantastic top-down strategy game which i won't belabor the point here because it's not really art-based really good strategy game turn-based strategy game strategy game turn-based yeah and for music i would say i've been enjoying (laughs) a huge amount of different stuff the album we're going to talk about today i've been listening to a lot of 80s music on a playlist a lot of 60s music on a playlist a lot of Bahamas, as always. I've been trying to go around also and kind of gather up all the albums that were released this year and listen to them more and more as we prepare for our album of the year discussion. I should really do that. So too. I've been going back a lot to the Nationals album, which I never really stopped listening to. I've been going back to Alex Cameron's album a lot. Uh, what was the other super good one that released this year? Rack on Tours. Yeah, I've been listening to the Rack on Tours a lot um, and some other stuff as well. I listened to Jesus is King again today, even yeah. though I pretty. Confident in saying that that will not be in the runnings for album of the year. It's still. I'm glad it exists, and it has some moments where it crunks. That's. Yeah. I was just skipping through and listening to like my favorite songs, maybe mm-hmm. four or five songs on there. Like as as an EP, this would have been really sweet. Yeah. As an EP, mm-hmm. yeah, crucially. yeah. So that's that's what I've been up to. It's an exciting time for me, and it will only get more so as we get into the holidays. And I basically just sit around and ingest art until my. Uh, People's implode and my eardrums explode. What okay. have you been enjoying? Um, I uh, hmm, what have I been doing? Holy moly, I've been I've been listening to uh, a lot more music than I I kind of listen to music in waves. You know, I know you listen to music like constantly, but I, I'll go through waves where all I really want to do is mellow out and listen to podcasts. To be fair, my eighty thousand minutes on Spotify is like 40 or 41 podcasts and like 40 or 39 music. So it's pretty 50-50. But uh, a lot of the time, you know, as I'm driving to or from work, I just, I don't really feel like having music on it. It alters my mood too much sometimes. And I just kind of want to have that mellow baseline kind of thing and just kind of zone out and drive. Um, But I've been listening to huge amounts of The White Stripes, Um, primarily white blood cells, I think, um, their second album and just absolutely loving that there's, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm like my, I'm not, I'm not like a a massive, massive Jack White fan, but there is something about him and about his, you know, artistic vision that I do really, really admire. And I've been listening to Icky Thump a little bit also by the White Stripes, um, Obviously, I've been listening to today's album a fair bit, and then I, uh, I've i had Sticky Fingers by the Rolling Stones on like near constant repeat repeat in my car, but I also, I uh, was kind of thinking, you know, I feel like listening to something. You ever get this, you feel like listening, There's you know that there's a specific artist or specific album that you want to listen to, but you can't think of what it is? Sometimes, if I ever have that feeling, I just start on something where I know it's not that, and then... I have to skip perhaps even mid song artist to artist two or three times. And then I find it. And that's pretty much the only time I'll skip like mid song is like, sometimes you just got to kind of start playing battleship with your, I normally just go to my, my wall of CDs that I have and I just like look through them all. And I discovered that what I was really craving was black star by David Bowie. Oh, what a good album. I haven't listened to that album for probably like almost a year. Yeah. I threw it on and it was just like, a euphoric wave of just remembering the time that album came out. You know, I I had been into like really heavily into David Bowie for just like a year or so, and I was so absolutely gobsmacked. Like, that he, I can't believe this guy's he, still alive. Yeah, making I'm like, music. Well, I knew he was alive, but yeah. he hadn't released anything in like a decade, pretty yeah. much. And he releases this really cryptic and amazing and beautiful album and then died like two days later my favorite david bowie album by a margin i would say i, I think Star. i think it might be mine too now that i'm listening oh, to it again it it's is so good it is seven exquisitely wrought tracks they all just you know shine with emotion i don't i gave the album of the year back then to leonard cohen and I still think that's you fair. You Want It Darker was the album. Yes, yeah. yeah. I still think that's fair. They're both phenomenal albums. But Black Stars is the more striking album for sure. It's very, very striking. And I just really hope that it holds up for future generations as well as I think it will. Like, it's it just is such a unique album and so beautiful and like the songs like dollar days and obviously everything on there dude obviously lazarus is i think one of his best songs ever and you know uh, girl loves me and all these it's it just really is and it's incredibly varied and the musicians on it are so good mm-hmm. so i've been i've been really enjoying listening to that in addition to my other kind of i I've, I've, I've realized 2019 has been a an almost exclusively rock and roll year for me that's very interesting because i don't think i do i come and go in terms of i would say 2015-16 as we were starting the podcast i was heavy into folk and like yeah the milk carton kids and half moon run and bright eyes which are not pure folk but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and then yeah i got heavier and now i don't know i've kind of found this middle ground i listen to the beastie boys a lot i listen to bahamas and so much around, <laughs> around that time when we were starting the podcast, I think I was just getting like massively into like the national. And I remember like, that was before I want to say that, like, that would have been like your Kendrick Lamar phase kind of thing. Maybe, maybe for sure. But, but you know, I, I went through the phase where I listened to high violet, like almost exclusively and yeah. uh, trouble will find me and those so albums. So good. And I still think high violet is their best, but. Um yeah, so that's kind of what I've been what I've been listening to as far as watching. I, it, I really have been watching just a smattering, various things on Netflix. I started watching a show called Van Helsing, which is just a really really corny, like very predictable uh, vampire apocalypse as opposed to the zombie apocalypse, but the vampires behave like it's it's basically the zombie apocalypse, but the zombies some of them have sentience and drink human blood and now that you're married you can't watch anything artistic ever again no hannah is definitely not going to be wanting to watch van helsing with me no it's just something that scream queens it's just something a little high five there cute um but yeah but it's just one of those things that i just throw on kind of in the background and uh just kind of just let it roll for hours on end and go oh wow i sure saw that twist coming cool but yeah that's that's pretty much all i can really think of right now i purchased two new um well you know for me but i purchased two more uh books from kurt vonnegut uh cat's cradle and breakfast champions and i'm really really looking forward to reading those did because... you finish slaughterhouse Five? Oh yeah i blazed through it on the road trip oh yeah and it was it's you're still reading it at your wedding when you got married Mm-mm. that was uh blood meridian Oh right! right I'm st- right. I'm still going through Blood Meridian. Right. Like I gotta with read McCarthy, you really just can't sit down and read it if you're like tired. <laughs> but if I, I find him quite easy to read now for whatever reason is very floral, florid kind of uh, uh, writing style and very flashy and showy, but so masterfully done that it's just it's a it's a joy and a delight to read. The words that he strings together. Mm. So I've still been reading that, um, and for playing games, I uh, I've been playing a lot of Tiny Royale. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> tank game on Wii. <laughs> what tank oh, yeah, game I on, that. on Wii? Do you, are you familiar with Tiny Royale? I know of it. I've never played it. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I think so. It's like isn't it like a Clash of the Clans type game? No, no. Okay, I, I guess don't. not. It's a. Yeah. Uh, it's like Fortnite light. Okay. And it is a feature of Snapchat. What? Yes. One of my coworkers, Dan, uh, like a couple of weeks ago, he's, you know, sitting in the lunchroom and he's clearly playing a game on his phone and he's getting very agitated and he, you know, yells loudly and throws his phone down or whatever. And, uh, so I asked him what he was playing. It turned out he was playing this game called Tiny Royale, which is the newest craze at my workplace. Um, so you After. basically you go into a group chat, any old group chat on uh, on Snapchat, and you can play you know games within the group chat kind of thing. Yeah. And so with Tiny Royale, you can open up like a squad to be a you know anybody within your group chat can join it, and then you drop into it's just like it's exactly like uh what's it called fortnite huh. where you pick you know a certain map in this yeah. larger map and you all drop into it yeah and then you have various weapons and last man or last team standing wins that's interesting that that could be integrated into Snapchat. i know yeah it's, it's very weird. fully featured yes wow. i had no idea i, I was gotta, like man i to try this. this this app is clearly taking up a heck of a lot of space on my hard drive right mm-hmm. now but the the game is it's very very basic, but for a bunch of dudes like sitting around, um, playing like a pretty, pretty well rounded really, huh, um, game like that on on our phones, and you know you're saying stuff you know like oh I gotta uh, I, we're literally up there like got a bogey on my six guys like you know come you know flank him flank him flank him. Got ammo over here, ammo drop, okay, health, who needs a shield, you know, all this stuff. And it's just really fun. It actually has injected a lot more energy into the lunch breaks. And uh, Zynga made it. And I kind of come off my lunch breaks kind of more invigorated <laughs> and bolstered now. And yeah, it's just, it's a hoot, to be That's honest. interesting. Like, it is, it's a total hoot just to play with. I really only ever play it on lunch breaks at work, but... I'm so pleased to see phone games starting to come into their own. And there've yeah. been good phone games for a long time, but I feel like they're starting to understand their place in the market. Everyone's calmed down, you know, it's not like 5 years ago when people thought they were going to overtake oh, it was insane overtake real games, quote-unquote, console games, and all we were going to be left with was, was like, Farmville. Yeah. No one thinks that anymore, and now mobile games can just inhabit their own. I feel like people don't really play mobile games like they used to. Not the same. Like, I really don't think so. Although I am right now on my third round of platypus evolution. Oh, my gosh. It's, It's not a craze like it was the first time, but, like, once or twice a day, I just maintain my platypuses, evolve the platypuses, you know. Get their poops. Yeah, get their poops, sell them on the black market. That's fantastic. Anyway. Twenty minutes in, <laughs> <Jeez>. we, <laughs> we don't see it. each other anymore. I know. Ready? Go. Yeah, this game looks kind of dope. I'll I'll play a couple rounds for you in between uh, recordings here. What's the how what's many the gender? You- what's the consensus on it? Well, I'm on zuga's website, so they think it's pretty good. Oh great. How many people do you need? Can you and I just join a group and play it? I don't know. Pro like. Well, I don't know, but that wouldn't be, like, a group. Well, it'd be, like, duos in Fortnite. Yeah, I know, but you can, you can do duos, but I just don't know, like... Yeah, I don't know. And they also have a voice chat feature. Wow. So this is like, next I've level. Been at home. Yeah, hold on. You're, You're aboard the Good Ship Brothership, and what's that, Jason? What it's is the it? the only arts podcast that covers film, music, music, music gaming, literature. literature, and enamel-covered uh machetes okay i'm I'm, one of your brothers jason and this is my brother grant yo what's up what's up what are we talking about today today we are talking about a blemish in the great light is it it is an album (laughs) is it an album it is an album it is an album that dropped this year from the canadian band half moon run let me just google it here (laughs) a bit of our background with half moon run uh their first album dark eyes came out back in 2012 mm-hmm. and we started listening to it not then but a couple of years after that and i've listened to it pretty consistently over the years since then and i've really enjoyed it it's not perfect it's a bit samey but it's a great album haven't listened to their subsequent well their one subsequent album and then when this their third album came out you know doing the show and everything it's it's like let's check it out i really like dark eyes and so here we are and still I always try out. to find, I, I know, I, I don't like how Wikipedia doesn't always come right they, up. Well, I don't think there's a Wikipedia page for this album because it's wow. a little bit lesser known. Oh. But they, have you seen Half Moon Run's, uh, like, page on uh, Spotify, whatever? They get, like, they pull in, like, 850,000 listens a month. Good for them. Like, I, I know, I was like, It's nice. probably just because of a couple, a couple hit songs that they So they, they're a band, uh, Half Moon Run's a band from Montreal. Mm -hmm. Uh, they've been, uh, active from 2010 to current day, so almost a decade, which is Mm -hmm. crazy to think that that was that long ago. Um, known for their, best known for their use of percussion, group harmonies, and for playing multiple instruments during live performances. Uh, so... They're on Indica records. Is Indica something to do with weed? Yeah, it's a strand of weed. Okay. Fair fair enough. enough. I don't know why I know that. I think, well, I think it is. Um, but, uh yeah there's nothing there is actually nothing about them on uh, that's fine we know enough about yeah, this album it was released the first in November 2019. it is available for digital downloads CD and 12 inch final <laughs> okay that's about all we can tell you <laughs> yeah so who, who oh, wow the... so dark eyes went platinum yes dark eyes was huge Wow dude dark eyes had and their second album went gold too Dark eyes I mean had oh, uh, full circle and and that was all they really needed that was a yeah, huge song man that's a great song so who should steer this discussion I've been listening to this album a uh, poop ton so maybe you should interview me and then I'll, I'll talk to you on the next one sure whatever like I, I have some I have some thoughts opinions on okay. it as well we'll just dialogue let's have some actually why don't, intercourse. why don't you in, inter intercourse me okay well we well, you intercourse just me I'll intercourse you if yeah but I just don't I want to make sure that we don't ask questions that are too penetrating <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that was funny. That's I don't there's really no nothing funny yeah. about that. We're just talking about <laughs> content censored. Well, that's what you said. I I may redact that. <laughs> I'm making a note of that timestamp right now. <laughs> we were talking about it. Someone had to say it. We were all thinking it. Okay. Nobody had to say it actually, and that's like that's the point of we we're all thinking it is nobody has to say it. Put it another way, we we're uh, talking okay. about in depth discussions. Yes, okay? that's clearly what i meant. <laughs> okay okay. Ablemish of the great light. So, <laughs> this is an album that I had, I would say, moderate hopes for. Their debut album, Dark Eyes, I think is really good, but it's kind of samey. I would say it's not super ambitious just because it all has the same sound, same instrumentation, kind of that hipster chill vibe. It is a very good album, but it fell short of, you know, a pantheon of great albums just because I think that it didn't reach quite far enough. Hmm. And this album keeps everything I liked about the old Half Moon Run and fixes literally all of my problems with dark eyes i think this is a much more ambitious album that's a word that i have a lot in my notes i because of of the broad range this album encompasses i think the production on this album is markedly better than dark eyes which itself was no slouch in that regard and i just think that this album although it's better produced it has more of a raw edge and more emotion than Dark Eyes. And I think it's really rare to get a band that evolves to have more polish and more raw energy and emotion. Typically, it's not always the case, but typically a band seems to start out and be a little bit more garagey and punky and have more energy and emotion. And then as they grow up, you know, they get more refined and they kind of lose some of their rough edges. And so I really think it's worth celebrating when you get... An album like this that is produced to such a high caliber and yet feels like none of the good emotion has been refined out of it. Earth Tones was similar, you know. How did you feel about the presentation and the vibe of this album kind of thing? I think that the Like I I I really should have listened back to Dark Eyes while I was listening to a Blemish in the Great Light, because I can't really in my mind I like they're almost on a Well, they're not on a par because this album has a lot more electronic elements in it. It does. A lot more synth elements. And their second album... What the heck is it called? Something about the sun. Something about... I have never listened to it. Sun leads me on. I should Um, listen to it. Their second album is a lot heavier on the electronic... It's front and center, more Mm so. And uh, that album was a little bit of a dud for me. uh, Just because... Dark Eyes has that really chilly, almost eerie uh vibe to you it. You can see I, that even in the I album love. art. Yeah, yeah. That album art is fantastic, love it. by the way. Yeah. But um But I, I, I think I do think that the production on this album is completely immaculate. The production on Dark Eyes is really good too. Um I think that their sound has reached a bit of bit of a more mature kind of pinnacle mm-hmm. than it than it was on Dark Eyes. I would Yeah, that's all I'll say. That's that's the presentation. I think the presentation is completely immaculate. Okay, fair enough. And so then on to I guess I'm gonna lump the vocal performance in with the musicianship in general. I thought that those were fantastic and they're beyond reproach in Dark Eyes, but again this newer album I feel just opened up so much in terms of scope and range and ambition that I think they put a lot more on the table and it could have gone sideways a lot easier and it didn't I think his vocal style was kind of the same slightly pitchy I don't want to say trendy because I really like it on Dark Eyes Mm -hmm. but a little bit more classic indie sounding and on this album he still has some of that but at other times his vocal performance is just much more um, intricate and nuanced, and he really pulls it off. Like, this guy is a fantastic vocalist, and I don't think I realized he was capable of that much when I listened to Dark Eyes. His uh, his vocal performance on A Blemish in the Great Light is definitely more... Um... I don't know the, this guy. I cannot remember Spencer. I think his name is or something mm, like that. I don't think that's right. Um, whatever, Ben John something. Yeah, Ben um, John Spencer. Yeah, uh, he uh, he has a very very strong tenor voice, yes. a very bright tone to his voice. He's and, so good on this and album. It's it's instantly recognizable. As soon as you have listened to them a couple times, like listen to a few songs, you'll you'd recognize that voice anywhere. And I think I I know what you mean now. The songwriting on Dark Eyes, in terms of you know vocal melodies and stuff, I think was maybe a little more interesting to me. Really, and just in terms of like the basic vocal melodies, like going. Yeah, through she wants to know is really good. She wants to know is great. Nerve is fantastic. Yeah. Drug you is really good. It's a it's a great album. Yeah, it really is. Um, no more losing the war is good. Um, call me in the afternoon. Full circle, obviously great um but uh but yeah i mean his vocal performance on this album is much more melodic mm-hmm. you know and on dark eyes it's kind of a more like rapid fire uh lyric delivery yeah it's a more of a smooth flow kind of thing yeah, yeah. whereas on this it's more melodically based yeah. and i don't i don't think that that's a bad thing at all like i don't mm-hmm. think that the vocal performance is inferior on the new album in any way. I think, I think he is more comfortable mm-hmm. with his voice. I, I like hearing him like hit a high note and oh, hold it. Oh, yeah. He's so... You know? I was just blown away. I like his vocal performance on Dark Eyes, but I didn't realize he was capable of that much more yeah. that we see on the new album. In terms of the actual in- instrumentation, I don't have a lot to say. I mean, it's really good. It's really well done. They do a great job of blending the analog with the digital, I think that's kind of a victory of modern music in general of the last couple of years. And I haven't heard many people talking about that, but I've noticed that seems to be a trend with Bahamas. I would throw the National in there for sure. Mm -hmm. Just, I think a lot of bands are doing that right. And I think that's worth being celebrated. It's like as if everybody, all the bands of the world are like, have finally started to catch up to 70s era Pink Floyd. Yeah, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> it's, isn't that true though? Yeah. You listen to Dark Side of the Moon, you're like, oh. Everything, production, <laughs> like, instrumentation. No, like literally nothing. <laughs> like yeah. everybody's just catching up to... David Gilmore. David Gilmore. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, like their, their instrumentation is fantastic. The layering is really good. I get into that a little bit more in my notes here. Um, but... I think their only downfall with it is that these guys are seriously heavyweight musicians. Oh, yeah. Like, each and every one of them can play many instruments to a superb degree of accomplishment. And the only reason I say that that's a detriment at all is because... Like, there are no rough edges in any performances, and you definitely don't get the sense that it's because it was sliced and diced. Mm -hmm. You get the sense that these guys are excruciatingly good at playing guitar, playing drums, playing piano. Yes. The piano playing on this album is like, some of it's very accomplished. And as a going on 17 years of piano experience myself, there's nothing I appreciate more than piano in modern like indie or rock music. That's probably part of why I like well National so piano. much. Oh yeah, yeah. The Nationals' piano, though, compared to like Half Moon Run, is like a like it's a much tw- simpler. It's like a twelve year old. It's tinkling much simpler. On a, yeah, tingling. Um, but uh, yeah. So, and I do like the more woodsy acoustic, like Dark Eyes. Their first album really it feels like a dark, kind of chill summer night yes. sitting in a cabin somewhere, you know, and, and you've got the, the, sh- the shapes and the shadows of the trees and the firelight mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. And, and, uh, this new album is much more broad, much more, but it's also much, it's also a bit chillier, I mm-hmm. think. And I think it's, it could be the time of year that we're hearing it too. It is fair to say that maybe the only thing in my opinion that it lacks compared to dark eyes is dark eyes is very limited in scope compared to their new album and i think that the new album is better uh... but i do think that the new album sacrifices that really contained mood that dark eyes has i don't think i could really say that it has as much of a definitive like you said chilly nighttime vibe as dark eyes Dark Eyes is very much like a summer summer yes. night yeah. bonfire that, like, not, not that cozy. It's interesting. Yeah, it's so It's good. really interesting. But I think, like, you go from Full Circle, Call Me in the Afternoon, the first bit of... And this is not a Dark Eyes album review, by the no. way. Um, I think we've already done that. But it's but, a great um, album. But, like, Full Circle, Call Me in the Afternoon, No More Losing the World, All Slow, Very Melancholic. Yeah. And then you go to She Wants to Know, which is much more upbeat. Um, Judgment is much more upbeat. Uh-huh. Um drug you has that cool chant going nerve is kind of like chill and kind of funky like this that album does actually cover a great deal that's of ground, fair i guess stylistically i guess that's fair but then going to this new album i did want to point out specifically i want to move into the talking about specific tracks just a little bit Razorblade this year very rem- much reminded me of uh night shift by lucy dacus last year Just in terms of the fact that it's a seven and a half minute, yeah, seven and a half minute long, like power ballad that goes from quiet to loud to almost like this metal grunge infused breakdown. And it's so nice. And last year I raved a lot about Night Shift and how it was like. Maybe my maybe my song of the year last year because it just was this it's really, a great song. really ambitious, sweeping, beautifully written, beautifully realized song. And Razorblade, I think, is this year's night shift just in terms of hitting all those same pros for me. And it's not very often that there's a seven and a half minute song that you seek out on an album like every time you listen to it. For me, at least. For me, I find that those are the songs that I skip more often because it's hard for them to be fresh. But Razorblade hits so many different notes, no pun intended, over its course that I start there probably half the time I listen to the album. And it doesn't dampen your appreciation of that song at all that it's blatantly anti-Trump? No. I Did you pick up on that? No. Really? No. Was, I think it was like the second or third time I was listening to it. It's like, vi- to me, it's really clearly talking about immigration. Really? Yeah. Huh. To me, I think. Uh, let's let's pull up the lyrics here, and we'll we'll just see. I got um, away from it. it w- what I got out of it was that it is about uh, somebody who stays in a relationship that they don't like as a form of self harm. <laughs> that is could, not the same. That is not the same as an anti-Trump message. Okay, we should we should really just uh, leave this for after we record, maybe, because it's hard to make this enticing podcasting paradise beyond the paywall. People dying to get in. People outside stacking bodies at the gates to get a glimpse. They heard its ultimate salvation without the troubles of the poor, where where not one question lingers. There's an answer and a cure. That to me is like maybe. <clears throat> and then at the at the end of the song too, um. Uh, it like when he's you know it the it makes no sense too. Mm-hmm. Uh, was yeah, it just to me it just. That's what really, you got out of it? And his potency of promise, dilute and void of pride, convictions of the honest, obscured, confused, and undermined. I don't know. We should see if we can find him talking about that. That's, a, that's interesting. That, that's a fair theory. For For me, it yeah, it really does just... It seems like it's against Trump's border wall policy. <laughs> but no, I think it's just like a beautifully written song. I think it's so No, it is, so it is nice. a good song. It's If it's an anti-Trump song, yeah. it's my favorite one yeah. so far. Uh, uh, Alex the Astronaut had a really good one too. So how about at this point let's take a quick moment it's a 10 track album let's quickly run through each of the 10 tracks what do you think and yeah, kind of yeah. share thoughts on like it because I've, kind of, I've kind fire. of gone yeah I've kind of gone through I I like breaking albums down like this because sure. it's just it's how they are so the album opens with a great oh, great ballad what combo. an opener then again um I, I, I think it, this it's superb. It's yes. more or less a, a return to Half Moon Run's kind of classic uh, vibe. I, I Yeah, it's it's a phenomenal song. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Favorite Boy is the next track up. And uh, <laughs> did we just lose internet? I don't know why. But yeah, we may have had internet. I really like how they do the... This album seems like a one-two punch for me as a returning Half Moon Run listener. Because then again, is very classic, like you said. Mm-hmm. And I think Favorite Boy gets into all of the best reasons why you should be listening to New Half Moon Run. Yeah. All of the things that they do great now. It's the opening uh, guitar, electric guitar, kind of slinky, uh, very, very strong Mac DeMarco vibes for A me. little bit of... It's definitely not surf rock but the way that the riff sounds has a smattering of that yeah, just in terms that, of it, its flow and its tone That san francisco yeah. kind of lazy um and and it does it does definitely feel reminiscent of mac DeMarco's kind of stylistic uh tones to me until uh well obviously they're the uh lead singer of half moon run sounds nothing like mac DeMarco, but um until they're startlingly shockingly beautiful harmonies just come up and just slap you right in the face and that's the this is one of my favorite songs of the album yeah absolutely same here and the those harmonies that come in in the second verse um i don't know how it's what are they i don't i don't know how it started don't know what to believe in and uh yeah the harmonies just absolutely uh, leap out of the music out of the song and 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 get you right in the feels right in the right in the ears <laughs> and uh the album continues on from there with uh, flesh and blood which i think is a another fantastic song it channels kind of bright eyes vibes for me definitely and i don't i don't mean any of these comparisons because for me this album hits like a lot of a lot of Really excellent band and songwriter kind of vibes, but I don't mean that they're being derivative at all. It all still has a distinctive, cohesive feel through the album, yeah, which is pretty impressive. And let's be real though, if you channel Bright Eyes and you completely rip them off and you do it, <laughs> still pretty good. Like it means that you're one of the best bands probably yeah. functioning at the time. So, uh, and uh, and then from there we go to Natural Disaster. I can't really remember what that. It's a really good. It's a great kind of. Uh, Slow to moderate song with a really nice, like heavily slanted beat. Um, not beat as in like a a rap beat, but just a. a it has great movement. Like yeah. when I say yeah, yeah, yeah. beat, sometimes it's talk about Kanye. Yeah, great rhythm. But yeah. uh, and Black Diamond as well. Really kind of reminiscent to me of just the great classic songwriting of like almost the nineteen seventies. Yeah, very melodic. Very and very um, the poetry of it's very understated. You know, yes. like yeah. the the. The writer for Half Moon Run, whichever member it might be, really, really enjoys kind of creepy, strange imagery sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And this Black Diamond is quite devoid of that for the betterment of the song, I think. Like, it it is just a very solid, very nicely crafted, cut and polished, uh, you know, three minute pop song, which is very, very, very uh, melancholic, very beautiful. Any song is awesome. I really like that song. Very folky. Yes. Yeah. uh, Very. Yeah, very, very folky. To, this brings me back to, like, my <laughs> early high school roots where, like, all I listened to was folk music, and I'm like, this would have been the song for me. Yeah. Um, and then after that is Razorblade, of Total course. Total song of the year contender, dude. Um, And uh, and then after that is Undercurrents, which... And then it says Dylan Phillips. So I don't know if this is actually just made by one one dude. Or a featuring? I, yeah, I assume it's probably featuring. Very, for me, very strong uh, Muse Mm-hmm. vibes yeah. from this. It's an instrumental track. It's uh 2 minutes 18 seconds long. Uh, a lot of swirling synth arpeggios and beautiful build. It really continues on from Razorblade really nicely and I think that the album would have been best served if it ended after this song. This is the song I always forget about. And I was going to say the exact same thing. <clears throat> Almost every episode we review, we talk about how you had a good closer on here and you didn't use it to close your yep. fucking album because then we have jello on my mind for me track nine for me this is the this album's one towering sin I don't mind it but it seems so out of place to me on the album it's got a bit of a kind of uh I don't know not what's the what's the genre I'm looking for what? How would you describe it? It's in not, in terms of genre? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of like stoner. It rock. sounds very stoner. That's, yeah, that's the word I was thinking of too. It's and it is like, literally it is literally a song about Jello. I think it's, <laughs> I, okay. And it's after all these beautiful, heartfelt ballads, and something about what I think is Trump's border wall. My theory: and these, these wonderful, very very heartfelt and melancholic songs that. Will connect with almost anybody emotionally. And then one at track track nine, the second last track on such a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful, soulful album is about Jell-O. My theory for this, I've been trying to figure out what this song is about like without the aid of the internet, and I'm sure I'm completely wrong, but I feel like it's something to do with the fact that Jell-O is like this... This food that is completely devoid of nutrients or flavor or quality and he's comparing a relationship or something. No way! That. You are reading way too much into that, it man. It can't just be a song about jello. Absolutely. No it, way. Is. it totally is. Know. It can't be. Dude, absolutely. You're a touring musician. You eat a lot of jello because it's cheap as heck. And and also you get like speaking as somebody who who has been in bands for now coming up on 10 years myself. Isn't that nuts? That is nuts. That's very nuts. So I've been in bands for a long time. I know how this song was made, okay? I can see how the sausage was made on this one. So they came up with this cool, kind of funky, weird, atypical for their sound, um, you know, progression, riff, whatever you want to call it. They came up with this musical motif and they were like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, while they're in the studio, let's jam on this for a bit. Yeah, okay. And then their singer stepped up to the mic and went, j j jello on my mind. And they they all kind of went like, ha, ha, ha. And then they kind of flushed out the lyrics a bit more and just kind of kept jamming on it a bit more and developing the musical part of it until suddenly they went, oh, we've got a song that's about Jello." It's but, not you know, just about Jello. Is. is, but... But, you know, it's funky and, you know, it's kind of, it's funny. Like, it's, and I, to be clear, I don't think it's a bad song at all. I actually kind of like it. It's just it's, that it clashes with the album so much. It is so aggressively and violently at just odds. Be, just because that pink paisley tie is kind of cool doesn't mean you should wear it with your bright red v-neck. That's not a good... Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Yeah, it's, it is. The rest the, of the, this album is like a dirt, a mud-stained tuxedo. And then this song comes in like a pink thong. Like it just—it oh, yeah. doesn't make any sense. It's it feels it feels like it's almost belittling the rest of the album. It does seem strange. Like it does not work at all. And then the closing track "New Truth," which for me has strong vibes of Radiohead in it. Um, which again, like if you can emulate Radiohead, you're you're doing pretty well. Um, I just I find it to just more or less Dron- drone. It's it drones on and on like a lot of Radiohead does, and you know there is no truth but the new truth it's just kind of it's got that kind of juvenile um fake low hanging yeah, yeah fruit of like a newer muse lyric i do think it's a good song but and i think it has interesting melodies i like the verses i think the the vocal melody for the verses are actually really nice but it's the problem becomes when you have a song like this that is a Maybe a 7 out of 10 song on a 9 out of 10 album. It sticks out like a sore thumb. I probably wouldn't even mention it if it were on an album that was significantly worse. But when tracks 1 through 8 are so superlative, it just goes back to my argument that if you cut this track, your album would be better, even though the song's not bad. Maybe release it as a B-side. Do an extended edition, play it live. I don't know. Yeah. But, but it just like, doesn't seem like it's needed. No. And especially at coming after a song that's so crass feeling as Jello on my mind, You've that's a hard act to follow because it just feels so unnecessary to the rest of the album. You go know, from the most shallow like, sounding song to the most meta sounding song. Yeah. Kind of strange. But like, you know... Yeah. Anyway, Ugh. I honestly, like, I don't, if if I, this album had ended after Undercurrents, I would I would be so much more positive about it. But I like, don't mind either of the closing tracks. Honestly, I think they're both good songs. But I do agree that they are the two worst songs on the album, and it really yeah. If dude, you're gonna it's have a couple th- jello, if you're gonna have a couple songs that are weaker, at least have like a mid album slump. That's very common. Yeah, but it's a real bummer to have. To end on a low note compared to the rest of the album. But, like, Jello on My Mind is a song that I would expect from, like, again, like, Mac DeMarco, or somebody who's, like, you know, he wrote a song about frickin' Viceroy cigarettes, for heaven's sake. Like, <laughs> that guy's awesome. You know, but, but a band like Half Moon Run, who's so, you know, they have a real specific emotional quality to their music, and... Yeah, I was... Uh, like, the first time I heard jello on my mind i was like oh yeah that's kind of funny that's what and then i heard it in the context of the album i was like holy cow like this this is a mistake like it's a mistake and it's it's just too bad that they had to uh blemish the great light of the rest of this album with that track all right I think that just about wraps us the up for this one. phenomenal. Listen to it. This is a very long episode. We do apologize. It took us a long time to get to the topic. Did, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, not, well, I'm not sorry. If you have listened to A Blemish in the Great Light, please hunt us down on Instagram or Facebook. Let us know what you thought of it. And if you haven't, please listen to it. It's really good. I think you'll probably like it. And then send us a message anyway. Just a short message saying what you thought of the of the... Uh, of the of the album. And we'll wait for a second here while you while you make a note to listen to it. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for doing that. And we will see you next time. I have been Grant. I've been Jason. Peace out. Peace. I'm going to call it the hose clamp. <laughs> no, something about His... kinking. No. No?